Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. Oh, man, it's good to be in the house. It's been two weeks, which seems like eternity as a pastor to not preach. Um, one, I mean, think about it. If you take off for two weeks and then you get back to work, you got to like, I got, you, got, you know, you just got to come right back when you're a preacher. You don't get to be like, oh, hey, forgive me if it's a terrible sermon. I mean, do that, but <laughs> if it is terrible, forgive me. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I've been uh, really processing over the last month uh, kind of where the Lord wanted to kind of wanted to go as a church, and I, I, I really try to not just throw a cliche sermon, you know, series together, and be like, okay, well, this is where I really feel, like this would be a good spot to go. I really try to hear the Lord on it, and, and I feel like God just kept impressing on my heart uh, on this topic, and then I would kind of move away from it, and then I would like just kind of like a spotlight, Lord would highlight it again, and, and so I feel like over the next maybe, I don't know, 6, 7, 8, 12, 15 weeks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not real sure how long it's going to be, but, but I do know that it was time to do a series. We actually haven't done a series in almost a year and a half, a year maybe. Um, since COVID, we kind of like, we're, like, we're going to go rogue. I mean, this, the virus is going rogue. We'll go rogue. And uh, so we, we just kind of went rogue and just kind of did some different things. But I really felt like the Lord impressed on my heart to, to start tackling spiritual warfare. And um, I think that we're in a war, and, and I think that it's, I think we've been in a war the moment Jesus died on the cross and, and was resurrected, that we've been in this war, actually really from the garden. Um, but I really felt impressed to, to help you understand how the enemy is fighting you. Um, and so God brought me to Ephesians chapter 6 and talking about the armor of God. And even when you hear that, you're like, oh boy, Sunday school, all over again. The plastic shield, the plastic sword, the, the shin guards, the helmet, and you know, it's always too big for everybody, and you feel like you're a big weirdo, you know, you're like walking around with the armor moving around, you're that way, and the helmet's backwards, and you can't see, you know, but, but there's something so impactful with the armor, and, and I, I mean, honestly, I've never personally preached this, but I felt like it was something that the Lord really wanted to emphasize for us as a believers and where we're moving. You know, how many of you know that we are closer to the end than we've ever been? And the more prepared we are to know how to fight in the war that we don't see, we, we have to be prepared for that. And that's, the, the sermon series is called The Invisible War because we're in a war right now. Even though you came to church, you've been raising your hands, the enemy's been warring on your mind. I mean, some of y'all, the presence of God, you'd be like, like, I didn't even feel the presence of God because you were in a war that you didn't even realize you were in. Your mind, you've been thinking about after this, I got lunch, and then I got this, and I got that. That was a war in your mind. And you didn't even realize it, and you, if, you don't, if you don't recognize it, how are you going to fight it? How are you going to win a war that you don't know you're in? Real, that's a true question. Like, that's a real question. How are you going to win a war that you don't even know you're in? And something that I think is so important for us to do is to recognize that we're in a war. We're in something so real in the spiritual realm that it would terrify you if God was to peel back the veil and let you see it. That the enemy right now is warring. He's been warring on your children that you hadn't even had yet. He's been scheming and planning, how will I take them out? And I think that it's so important for us to take notice of the enemy so that we can fight him. Because he's not going to relent until his time with Jesus and he's destroyed. And he's defeated. Right? Like he's not giving up. And so I think for us is to be prepared is, is super important. It is so quiet in this church this morning. <laughs> Makes me nervous. <laughs> so if you would, turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start reading just two or three verses. I'm not going to even get into the armor of God today because I think it would do it injustice if I don't show you how, God, how the enemy fights first. So I think you need to understand how the enemy fights so that you can go to war on him with the armor of God. I won't mention it briefly, but um, I think this is important. And we're going to go from here to uh, Matthew chapter 4. You can mark it if you want, but that's where we'll go. We'll spend a little bit more time there in a minute. And uh, so let's pray after we read this, and then we'll get started. It says, a final word. Let me actually read it out of the Amplified. I, you know when you preach, you haven't preached in two weeks, you bring two Bibles up. It gets real serious, right? Like, I haven't preached in two weeks. I'm bringing two Bibles. <laughs> and I'm bringing the Amplified version because it's really loud. All right, so Ephesians chapter 10, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 10. I don't even know where I'm going this morning. 
Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10, it says this, in conclusion. In the other version, in, in, uh, in the NLT, it says a final word. How many of you know that when Paul is writing this, he's writing his last few words to the Ephesian church saying, hey, I've said all this stuff, but I want you to remember this. I want you to be reminded this is the most important thing. That's why I put it at the end. Now, if, this is the thing. Is some of us, we, we close, the, we close the, the, the page up before we finish reading. Don't do that, okay? Like, this is the final words that Paul is saying. And he says this, be strong in the Lord. Then the Amplified says this, be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, the strength which his boundless might provides. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy-armed soldier which God supplies, that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Verse 12, for we are not wrestling with our cousin or our wife or our husband or the Democratic or the Republic or the non-vaccinated or the vaccinated, continuing only with physical opponents. Did that come out? I was thinking that might, <laughs> sorry. Contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, I don't even know what that is. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to be honest. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie. Okay. <laughs> against that, that thing's got me tongue tied. I don't even know what to think. It says, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness and the heavenly supernatural sphere. We need to pray, okay? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you, God, have given us everything that we need to fight the war that we're in. And God, I pray, Lord, even as I deliver this message, God, let it not be repeated, but let it be a fresh revelation of whatever it is that you would want to say to these people. Father, I thank you that, God, as we grab a hold of this, Lord, that you would allow us to fight the fight that you've put us in, God. And as that happens, God, that you'd be made more famous today than you were yesterday. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. So if you're into titles, you can write this down. It's called The Scheme. Now, if you're, if you're underwear, like if you were to look these up, some of these words that Paul uses, actually one of the words is scheme. Because the enemy is scheming right now. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever been like um, drawn to magic, like not magic like as in like black, like witchcraft. I'm talking like magic, like tricks. Um, I, I've always think it's been pretty cool to, to like see somebody do something, be like, oh yeah, this is what they're going to do. And then they don't do that and they do something totally. I'm like, how did they do that? Uh, last week we were... Um, we were at lunch, and this old gentleman, he, he, older gentleman, he comes up to the table, and he starts doing this trick. And it's the, you know, you hold the quarter up, and it disappears, and then you pull it out their ear. And all the little kids were like, wow. But all the adults were like, we know the trick. Like, we know what you're doing, bro. You're, like, just hiding it. and then you're, then you're But my daughter walked around all week this week. She'd be like, hey, Dad. She had a dime. She'd be like. And then pull that out of me. I'm like, wow, and I have to act surprised. But, but I say that because I, I think this is how a lot of times, like, we assume this is how the enemy fights. But that is not actually how he's fighting. He uses something as an illusion or a distraction in one area so that you don't see what he's really doing. And that is the scheme that right now the, you, are, you, you are looking at people as the issue, as the struggle and God is over here working behind the scenes doing something. I mean, the enemy's working, doing something behind the scenes spiritually, right? And, and so it's so important for us to understand this, that learning how the enemy fights is often like how we think it. It's like, oh, he causes divorce. Or, oh, he causes alcoholism. Or he causes drug addiction. Or he causes pornography. No, what you don't understand is that's the result. That's the magic trick. That's the result. That's the consequence of what he's been doing the whole time. You don't walk up and get a divorce slip all of a sudden. There was a scheme set up that had been doing, but because you weren't aware of it, you didn't know it. And so the whole goal is so many times we assume this is how the enemy fights based on the result. That is not how he fights. It is based on the scheme. And so what, what Paul is letting us know is this, is that you, 
If you, last words, my last words, as Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus. This is what he says. He says, in conclusion, be strong in your might because you are so spiritual and you've been saved for 25 years and you know because you've been consistently coming to church. He doesn't say that. It doesn't say, hey, well, it doesn't say be strong in the, it doesn't say be strong in because in your ability to worship, in your ability to pray. It says in, say this with me, the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. And this is why I use the Amplified Version because when we don't, we don't really fully grasp what that means, this is what it means. Be empowered through your union with him. You realize that this is a covenant thing. You, you are supposed to be empowered by your covenant with God, not your church attendance, not your ability to read a certain amount of scriptures or even understand scripture. It is based on your union with God. It is your covenant. I have power and authority to be able to, to be able to, to be intimate with my wife and however I want because of our covenant. I know that I'll, I'll sorry. <laughs> like he just said that. That's the power of covenant. Like that's the beauty of it. And you have power with God because of the covenant that you have with the precious blood of Jesus being applied to your life. Then he goes on and he says, if that's not enough, draw your strength from him, the strength which his boundless might provides. In other words, what he's saying is, this isn't your war to fight, it's mine, and if you will be in me, I will fight the war for you. And so many of us spend all of our energy trying to fight a war that we should be surrendering to. If we would just simply surrender to God, we wouldn't have to fight half the stuff we fight. I mean, think about how many things you have fought that really you never were able to change. I mean, I have exhausted myself at times trying to fight a battle that was never supposed to be mine. It was supposed to be the Lord's. And I was never going to win it. No matter how much I prayed and how much I did what I did. Because God was trying to get me to a point to trust him and not myself. The Bible says it's not by works or you would boast. It's not about you conquering the war. You'd be like, look what I just did. Hashtag, I don't need Jesus. You wouldn't say that, but you would think that. And the whole point is that in a war, this war requires God on your side. It requires you to be directly in connection with him, to be in union with him. So this first point, what you have to understand, what Paul is doing is he's saying the source determines your strength. What you pull from determines how strong you are. And so many of us, we pull from ourselves, we pull from our own abilities, we pull from our knowledge, we pull from our experiences. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, pull from the strength of the Lord. Now, that is something that we have to begin to learn to do. That's not something you can just do. It's something that you learn to do. Like, it's, you learn to have to trust God. And as you realize, as, you, as something happens, you're like, okay, I'm trying to fight this. I need to take a breath, and I need to give this to God. Because before you know it, you'll be wrestling with the devil and it's like, you're going to get beat up. It's like the seven sons of Sceva. It's like, who are you? Because you need the Lord. You know, the union you have with the Lord is, where you, is truly where you get your strength from. It is in your union, your covenant. Right? Like, you, you saying to the devil, I'm a Christian, he's like, ooh, <laughs> terrified. <laughs> No, he isn't moved by you saying you're a Christian. He's not moved by you saying a believer. He's moved by you being convinced of the covenant. That is what terrifies him. Of you truly believing that I am in Christ and Christ is in me. What does that mean? And I know that this wording and this verbiage can be so, it's used in the church so much so we don't fully grasp it. But what it, the whole point is, is for us to fully understand and believe that the, when I said yes to Jesus... That Jesus said yes to me. 
And, have, and you actually believe that. How many of you have been in something and you don't think God's going to come through because he doesn't care? That's not covenantal thinking. That's completely opposite of how the covenant works. And that's the goal of the enemy is to get you to question your covenant with God. See, the strength of your internal fortitude, like your ability to fight, really is in your, it's directly connected to your union with Christ. You, you are, however you win the war is going to be based on whether you truly believe that God is for you or not. I mean, how many of us, we know when it's kind of initially when the first thing starts, it's like, okay, I can believe God. You're strong. But what happens when you get weary? You start getting fatigued, and it's been longer than you thought it would be, and it's like, what the heck? What happens is we tend to get into our psyche and into our spiritual, begin to question and doubt whether we're, we're God's going to do this or not. That's where the human wants. He wants you to doubt and question whether God's going to come through. Because what happens then you quit, that you quit trusting in God in that department. See, see, the response to the attacks, whether they're external or they're internal, right, are directly connected to where you draw your strength from. This internal and this external war, like our, our ability to respond to those, external or internal, are directly, they're directly connected to our union with God. So how we respond, how do you, like when you have something happen and you get bad news, you get a bad report or you get, you get a bad, whatever it may be, you, you got something happening in your life, how do you respond? Because how you respond is based on your covenant with the Lord. The Lord is trying to, Paul is trying to let you understand, you've got to believe in this covenant. If you're going to fight this war, you've got to believe in me. The, the Lord is like, you've got to trust me. You've got to believe that I'm good and that I am. And I, I don't think it's even so much about God being good. Because sometimes, a lot of times in life, life things aren't good. And we can so easily theologically assume, well, because things aren't good, God's not for me. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to believe. When you have to go through a war, you're in a war. And you've got to understand that. The... the the wars you win, they really come from how much you involve God in them. How many of you, like, there are certain fights that you want to fight on your own? Like, you're like, I got this. I got this, God. It's okay. And the Lord's like, don't do it. You know, you've seen, like, the little wimpy kid, and he's like, I'm going after the bully. That's us. He's like, oh, don't do it, man. It's going to be a bad day. Oh, right there. Okay. Uppercut, he didn't see it. Okay. Like, that's what happens with us a lot of times. Is that there are certain things like, oh, I got this. I can, I can fix this. And guess what happens? This is what the enemy wants to do. Is he, wants to, he wants to create the cycle of you fighting your fights. So that when you get into the fight that you can't win, you're still doing it the way that you've always done it. So you fight how you've always fought because you've never had to trust God. And you've never built your faith up to have to believe in him to take care of the fight. So you wonder, why am I losing this? It's because you've created a pattern in your life of how you fight the fight. Instead of letting God fight it for you. I'm guilty. I've done it. But what I'm learning is, even when I got COVID, like a couple of weeks ago, like, things started going bad. They started going, like, negative. And I was like, okay, my, my, you know, my oxygen's like, my chest's getting heavy. And in that moment, I, you know what I did? I didn't necessarily, get, I, fear came for a moment because how could it not when you're engulfed in fear in the world and it's telling you all these stats and blah, blah, blah. But what I did is I went out to the front porch and I got my little rocker and I rocked with Jesus. <laughs> Dead serious. I said, Lord, I think you have a lot for my life and I give this to you and I'm going to let you fight it. And in that moment, I had to trust that God was for me and not against me because let's be honest, I was in a fight that I can't do anything for myself. And sometimes those are the most beautiful things, is to put yourself, to have to be put into something that you can't get out of yourself. We don't like that, but we need it. Because that is where you actually get to grow in your trust for Jesus. Because we can all say we trust Jesus, right? Until we have to go through something. Peter and all the disciples, they trusted God until they had to believe that the storm that was coming to them 
wasn't going to kill them. Because that we, we assume like that storm happened and it was like just a couple of 30 minutes and then Jesus comes walking out on the water. He's like, hey guys. No, they say that it was up to nine hours. Ten hours of a storm on the water in something that they are well versed in. And it's scaring them. It's terrifying them. What did they have to do? They, Jesus comes in onto the scene. This is what you've got to understand. Jesus will come in on the scene. It's will you trust him. That's what this is about. Like, you may not be in a war right now. You might be like, everything is peachy. I mean, life is great. And that's good. But the war is coming. See, these, he mentions weapons. And what I think we have to understand is that weapons aren't earned in the kingdom. Like, you don't, at one year, you get your helmet of salvation, and then you graduate to the sword of the spirit, and then you graduate to your short, you know, the shield of the faith, and then you get your peace and all that. Like, you don't graduate over time into different pieces of armor, right? Like, that's a lot of times what we assume is like, well, I, I, I've earned this stuff. No, that's not how it works. Like, you don't earn it. It's through covenant. God gave it to you the moment you said yes to him. He goes, hey, you're a part of the... You're part of our, our, our army. Here you go. You're going to need this. Here, check this out. So C.H. Spurgeon says this. This is what he says. He's, he's talking about that when, when, then as we read this, it says this, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Do you think there's a war? I mean, when you read that, it's crazy. But C.H. Spurgeon, his commentary says this about that verse, about those few verses. It says, this warns me of danger. This prepares me for warfare. This prophesies opposition. Now, what is C.H. Spurgeon saying? He's saying that the army... The armor reminds me every day that I get up, when I put on the armor of God, that I am not going into a blissful, wonderful park to push my little child in a swing. That I am going into a war, and I am going to have to fight the war that God has called me into with the armor that God has given me. He says, I am prophesying by putting this on, I am letting them know I am ready for war. Here's the deal. Whether you put the armor on or not, the war is coming to you. So you can resist and you can push it away and you can act like it's not here, but it's on its way. The, the war is here. The war for your mind, the war for your spirit, the gr fastest growing religion in America right now is agnostic and atheism. It's kind of an oxymoron to say religion, but why is it that? Because people forgot that they were in a war when they said yes to Jesus, and now they're questioning and doubting because they're not signed up to do what God's called them to do. So they're deconstructing, and they're doing all of these things, and deconstruction without God will eventually lead you away from God. That's the scheme. That's the plan. That's the point. Right? Like, you, I love how he uses this. This warns me of danger. Like every morning, you don't get a neon flashing sign that says, hey, you're in a war. I wish that happened. That would be really good because it would remind me on several occasions that I've forgotten. But we, we're reminded when we're in a war when we get the call, hey, so-and-so passed away or it was all of a sudden type thing. Or, you know, hey, I just got, my wife just called me and told me she's been having an affair for two years. You realize when those types of things happen, you're in a war. Those are the types of things that are sobering to remind us that danger is ahead. That we're in this war. And here's the thing is we have to be as offensive as the enemy is. And you putting on armor lets him know. And here's the thing. When you put on armor... The enemy doesn't see you. The enemy sees God. And so many of us, we, we're, we're, trying to fight a, an, a, we're trying to fight a battle that the enemy sees us instead of seeing God. Because we keep getting our little fingers in everything instead of simply surrendering. Because let's be honest, in a war, when really something's going on, 
and you get bad news or you get a report of, of sickness, you get a diagnosis of something, it is real hard to not start fighting on your behalf. One of the most unspiritual things we can do sometimes is try to go to work. Like, what do you mean? I'm saying you trying to figure it out. That's one of the most unspiritual things. One of the most spiritual things you can do when you get a report is surrender. Stop. Be with the Lord. But that's not what we're taught. We're taught, like, put on the gloves and go to fight. No, that's natural. That's not how we fight in the spirit. In the spirit, we surrender our lives to God, and we let God go to fight on our behalves. I'm not saying be lazy and don't. That's not what I'm saying. I think there's a fine line between us actively doing something with our faith and letting God fight the fight. There is those two things. It's like, I'm going to sit back on my recliner. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying be in tune and get connected with God and saying, okay, how are you going to fight this? Well, this is how you're going to do this. Right? And then you have to go to work with it. So in, so this is the beautiful thing that God does for us, is he, he's, Paul's talking about this in Ephesians, but in Matthew 4, it's like God takes the veil of the spiritual realm and he unfolds it, and he peels it back, and he says, here, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to show you how the enemy fights, because this is what he does with Jesus. So let's pick up this unveiling of this war, because this is the war. When we read this, the, the writing and how it's documented in Scripture doesn't say a spiritual war. It says, basically, what is it, how does it say it in this one? The temptation of Jesus. It doesn't say anything about war. But when's the last time you were actually in a fight with the devil? When's the last time you were being tempted? Today, this morning, when you didn't want to get up, come to church, you heathen. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> right? I mean, temptation is real. It's the war. Not the only war, but the major war. So this is what it says. So it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. By who? Because theologically, this doesn't, this doesn't taste right. The Lord was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted why would the holy spirit do that why would he do that to jesus why would he why would you be put in a situation where you actually have to trust god (laughs) in essence that's what's happening here he's actually having to trust god so he goes on he says then uh, jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil It's crazy that there's a devil. Did you know that 60-something percent of Christians don't believe there's a devil? Here's my question for those Christians. Then what do you believe in? That why did Jesus get on the cross? That's my question. Like, he didn't get on the cross just to do it. He did it to defeat the devil. So it's amazing to me, but this is how how dangerous it is. This is how dangerous the enemy is, is he's convinced the people that are in the war that he's not even there. I mean, that's a pretty dang good, that's a pretty powerful thing. That 60% of them, let's say this, Americans, American Christians, because we know if you go overseas, you'll get to see some real devils real quick. So you'll believe it. Ours, we're, we're, we hide behind alcohol, and we hide behind drugs, and we hide behind relationships, and we hide, the demons get to hide, and we counsel them instead of cast them out, instead of setting people free through deliverance. And so it's real easy for him to hide here. I didn't mean to say all that. I'm kidding, I did. (laughs) Felt good, two weeks, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) How many people can I offend today? I'm kidding. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. And then during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, I'm going to go through all the scriptures and document devil where you, no, he doesn't do that. He says, no, the scriptures say this, and he gives a real small rebuttal. Maybe one of the ways you defeat him is quit talking to him. Like, quit having this deep conversation with the enemy and just say, tell him how it is and walk away. 
Because you trying to convince the devil that whatever, like, he's like, oh, they're really buying into this. Let's keep having a conversation. So he, he goes on and he says this, people do not live by bread alone. In other words, the thing that you're asking me to turn, in, to turn it into, that's not even sufficient enough. That won't sustain. There's a verse, there's a verse in, in, a, in the Passion Translation, but it says this. It says demon gods. And then it goes on and it says evil spirits. So it classifies demonic, like principalities, in two categories, demon gods and evil spirits. And I was thinking about that. And isn't it interesting how one of the greatest temptations is to try to become a god in the world? Like to try to become, like if you look at Hollywood, like that's a demon god. It's trying to become famous and your need to not need God. That is a demon god. The god, the spirits, isn't it interesting that that's what happens in this, you're going to see this kind of play out. That what god, The enemy is trying to convince him to not need God. To not need, hey, look, you don't need this. Look what, you, look what I can give you. You don't need God. If I can give you this, why do you need him? And that's one of the greatest wars that we're in, and especially in the American culture, is to try to live the life that we want to live without God. Now, he does it so covertly and so under the radar, you wouldn't know that. But this is how he works. He says, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God... In other words, what sustains Jesus is not what he can produce, it's what God can produce in him. Right? But the enemy wants to let you know whatever you can do without God is going to be good enough. And Jesus literally flips the scripts and he says, no, not, what I can do is not enough, it's what God gives me. But see, Jesus has to be dependent on that. And then check this out. And it says, then the devil took him to a holy city. Here's the thing. Is a, I think a lot of us, we think, well, once I defeat him, he'll go away. Scripturally, looking at this, he doesn't ever go away. Now, Luke does say, and he went away for another opportunity. And here's another thing. I didn't say this at the beginning, but in Luke's story, it says this, that as, it says that when Jesus went in, he went in full of the Holy Spirit. That the war that we're called to fight is supposed to be the fight when we are full, because we're supposed to stay full. How many of you know that? <laughs> if you've ever, like, driven around, it's like, I'm going to drive around. You try to push how far you can make it on E. Like, the light's been on for, like, two days. I'm, like, killing it. It's like, this is what we do spiritually. It's like, I mean, start, like, when you start to see the needle move, get back with God. Don't wait till you're like a half tank or three quarters empty, an eighth, and then the light's on. Like, dear Lord, that's called stupid. <laughs> that's what the light should say. You're stupid. <laughs> but it, I think, <laughs> think about how many people would go get gas if it did say you're stupid instead of low fuel. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I think that whatever company does that, they're geniuses. <laughs> I mean, think about it. How many of you would go get gas long before, even if it said, like, something at half a tank, like, hey, you're almost stupid. <laughs> like, you would totally go get gas. I don't know. Anyway, I'm just, just funny thing. But, but this is what we do. In the, in the spiritual realm, we are, like, we think, okay, I defeated him. He's going to go away. No, no. He's coming up with another scheme. That one didn't work on you. So he's working out the next scheme, and this is what he does. He comes to Jesus, and he says, hey, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. So now this one, he... He heightens it, right? Now he uses the scripture because he realizes, oh, Jesus uses scripture. I'm going to use scripture. So now he uses the scripture to try to get a, to go against him. And then this is what Jesus says. Jesus responded, the scripture also say, this is all he says to defeat him. Four, four or five words. You must not test the Lord your God. <laughs> Boom. And he defeats him. Because here's the deal, is that Jesus was actually believing what he was saying. And in that moment, he defeated him. 
And then he goes on, how do I know though? Because this is what it says, verse 8, next the devil took him. In other words, he didn't continue on that spot. He moved after he defeated him. He's like, okay, that one's not going to work either. And he takes him to the next one. And here's the point, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that most of the wars y'all think are wars, are wars, they're actually not. They're in your head. He, he is fighting mentally to get to you spiritually. Now, I'm not saying not everything, because I think there are obviously are some natural, you know, things that we go through, physical body. I mean, but it starts a lot of times in our minds or starts in certain things, and then he feeds it. So, the, the, uh, the, the second point that I really want to drive home in this is as we, as we read this, what we have to understand is that spiritual deception comes through natural desire. Like, if Jesus really, if, he, if his desires were to be able to, hunt, to eat so bad, he would have given into it. But because his desires were for the Lord, he was able to resist that. He was able to push it away. Right, we know that, that the enemy works in three categories. We know that in 1 John 2 it says this, that, that, that the love of the world, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That is the three categories that the enemy works in. Now, he works in them differently for each one of us. In other words, what I'm saying is, is that the pride of life, the way he works it for me versus how he works it for you is completely different. The lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes, like some of y'all are like, man, if I could drive by that bank and rob it, that'd be awesome. I've never had that happen to me. Like, I've never, like, where could I, like, you know what I mean? Like, I've driven by a really cool mountain bike, and like, dude, I'd love to have that and throw that in the truck. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. You're like, he's a thief. I, no, I'm actually, that's something I can't stand. But anyway, it's this thought, right? Like, the, the enemy puts in the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life for you versus me is completely different. But he's at work in the same for all of us. And it's so important for us to make sure, because in this culture in that we live in, we forget that some of the, the desires that I have come from the culture I live in. Right? Like some of the things that you crave come from the culture that you live in. I was thinking about this. It's like desires are also based on as you get older, it's like the crazy the things you start desiring. It's like right now, I got, you know, I've got two daughters. I've got Anaya over here, and then I've got Jaylee over here. We've got a six, almost six-year-old, and then an almost eight-month-old. Like, if I was to go to Anaya and say, hey, I got a couple of dollars, like Anaya's going to be like, hey, give me a bottle. Give me a clean diaper. That'd be awesome. Like, her desires are completely different than what Jaylee's are. Right? And so many of us, we don't realize that as we live in a culture, our desires are changing. And if our spiritual journey isn't growing with the culture that we're in, those desires increase and the war becomes greater. In James, it talks about that what lures people away, what drags us away into sin is desire. That the things that we desire, because the enemy convinces us that we need it, even though we've got it. Have you ever desired something that you already have and it's a temptation to get something better? That's how the enemy works. Isn't that crazy? It's so deceptive that you have it, but you feel like you need another level of it. That's how the enemy works. And if you don't understand his schemes, you will fall prey to it all the time. Like, you realize, like, people don't just end up becoming alcoholics. They don't just become, end up being uh, divorced. They don't just end up being crazy in their mind. Some people do that. Okay. But, right, like, people don't just become things. It's over the slow progression of entertaining that thought. Or you feel like, I've got to have another shot of whatever, and then it's like, I mean, it's just one, and the Bible says it's fine. That's great. That's how it starts. I'm just going to take one pill, it'll ease the pain, and then it'll numb me a little bit, and I'll smoke the weed, and I'll do this. And, I'll, and it starts off slow with not really, honestly, twisted ambitions. And then it progresses into where you're being defeated. I don't think any person that's ever done anything in, in, these, in these categories knew that that's where it was headed. I don't think an agnostic or an atheist necessarily even thought that that's where they would be five years before that. 
But as they begin to get the seed planted and they watered it with their thoughts, it grew into something counter God. This is the war we're in. See, temptation, it starts as desire until it becomes deception. Right? Like, think about it. Temptation starts as desire, and then it becomes deception. I got to have this. This is where I'm in you. All of a sudden, you're in it, and you don't even realize it. The, The war Satan is often, what he does is it's so subtle that you're convinced it's your own thoughts and it's your own desires. Some of you all have been telling yourself something that the enemy has actually been giving you. And you didn't even know it was the enemy. Because he's so subtle that he's been working over the course of months and years to get it convinced that it's your desires and it's your thoughts. I've got to have this amount in my bank account. I've got to have this kind of a house. I've got to have this kind of a car. I've got to have this kind of, of, of life. I've got to have this kind of a spiritual thought. Before you know it, you are so far away that you are convinced, that was my thoughts, that's my desires. No, the enemy put those there. The goal is not to realize we are even fighting. Like his goal, his goal is to, to get you to, to realize that you're not even fighting in a war until you've lost the battle of faith and hope. It's like throwing a frog in a cold bottle, you know, you know, pot of water and turning it on and it slowly progresses to where it's like in a boil and the frog doesn't even know he's being cooked, right? I've never done this. This has been always been the analogy. I don't even know if it works. I assume that because it is, it must work, but I don't know. I might try it. I'm kidding. But that's the goal is to convince you that you're not even in a war until you've lost your faith. You've doubted God. You question God whether he's ever capable of doing anything in your life. That's honestly the greatest war that he's after. It's to convince you you're not even in a fight. I mean, really, when's the last time that you woke up acknowledging you were in a war? Acknowledging that you were in a fight for your salvation and for your sanity. For your spiritual well-being. I mean, it's been a minute, probably for me too even. But this is really waking me up to the reality that Like, I'm in a war. And the enemy is so subtle. I mean, you look at the pandemic. You look at the things that have fallen into place with, we've got racial tension, we've got the pandemic, we've got the political side of it, we've got the vaccination side, we've got the mask side of it. Has anybody ever thought that that's actually, it's it's what's getting us focused, but it's a distraction. It's the the scheme. It's it's it's, It's trying to, he's coming in behind that. All right, we've been saying, I can't believe the Democrats. I can't believe the Republicans. I can't believe you're not getting vaxxed. I can't believe you are vaxxed. I can't believe. What is that doing? It's me or you getting mad at another person. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But the goal of the enemy is to get me to blame you and you to blame me so that we can fight instead of us coming together as believers and fighting the enemy. That's the goal. But nobody's ever, Fox News has never, see some of y'all are like, he listens to Fox News. No, I don't. I don't care about any Fox. CNN News, Fox News has never said, we have a late and breaking announcement. We have just discovered that the enemy has been behind all of this. And this is, like, that's never happened, right? Like, we've actually found out the pandemic, the enemy is using the pandemic, and he's using racial tension and political tension, and he's using all these things. Have you ever had that happen? No. Because that's not, the enemy is so good, it says the unseen realm. He is only good when you can't see him. The moment that the spirit illuminates him, you begin to be like, oh my gosh, what the heck? Right? As long as he can stay invisible, you lose the war. But here's the thing, he can't stay invisible when you live in the spirit. Did you hear what I say? In the spirit. Not in the flesh. I know all of you are really good at doing that. I mean, it's real easy to live in the flesh. But when you are in tune with the Spirit, you say, you know what, I'm not getting mad about that stuff. If you've noticed from the pulpit, you can go back and listen. I don't talk about any of that stuff because that's what the enemy would love for me to do is to highlight all of that and not talk about the kingdom of God. Because none of that stuff is going to change you and get you closer to Jesus. 
In fact, it will divide our church, which is exactly what he wants. Division, strife, gossip. That's how he fights. <laughs> he fights without even having to be there. He whispers in my wife's ear one thought. He whispers in my ear another thought, and we go to war. And he just sits back like, this is awesome. I mean, he said a wrong word. She's going ballistic on him. Like, that's usually what happens, right? <laughs> or it was like the wrong time, and I'm kidding. But, right, that's how it happens. Like, you wouldn't have thought, you would have blamed your wife. I can't believe we're in this. But we got to understand what's behind it. Some of y'all are fighting your coworkers, and you're fighting your husband, or your wife, your sister, your brother, your aunt, uncle. And, you know, someone on Facebook that you don't even know. You're like, like I'm going to teach them. It's like, dude, they live in Wisconsin. Like, you're not going to win that war. But if it makes you feel better, whatever. Like, like the war he fights are things that he can get you and I to agree on. Like, that he can get you to, to accept. Like, that's the ones that he beats us in is when we agree and we accept it. This is where you have to be really, really careful. Because this is what I'm getting at is this, is that I don't know if you've ever, like, the enemy in these stories, what he's trying to do is he's trying to get Jesus to accept a truth that isn't a truth. He's trying to get him to agree to something less than. Like, maybe here's some thoughts for you that, that have you ever had the thought that this desire that I just want to be wanted, and if I go after her, she'll want me. Or if I go after him, he'll want me. He'll give me what I need because my wife isn't. That's a war. That's the war. But he doesn't say coming in neon lights saying, hey, I'm coming to destroy your life in neon lights. He doesn't do that. Or convincing you of, you know what, you're never really ever going to be good enough, so you should probably just end your life. The world doesn't really need you. You're not going to be better off. There's not much you can really offer. I mean, and he goes through this plethora, you know, a couple of years, at the end of this year, or the end of last year, I was on a call with a guy who I really respected and valued his, his, his thinking, and, and he was, he's a brilliant guy, pastor, previous pastor, fell into a, like an emotionally moral, uh, immoral relationship and he was released by his church and then he got restored and all of these things and that never could he never could release that in fact our pastor our mentor pastor rick shelton mentored him through this well he ended up i was on a call with him wednesday night listening to some some thoughts that he was talking about thursday afternoon he killed himself and so here's my thought here how how did someone go from giving such deep insight to god and thursday feeling like he had nothing to offer the world because he just poured into my life 24 hours ago how does somebody get there it's called the invisible war it's called that you become convinced of his voice over the lord's and he ends his life tragically it's because we're in a war and even though he knew it he just didn't fight the right way and we have to learn to fight right or we will lose there will be more people who were in church today and saying that there is no God tomorrow if we don't learn how to fight let me just say this let me just take this ownership if you don't learn to fight you could be here this year and next year you're telling us a different story about your faith if you don't learn how to fight now this war is real the devil is real and he's so deceptive that as long as he can stay under the radar, he, he, he wins, he defeats us. You know, here's another one, like, God's not going to provide for you, so you should provide for yourself. That thought is a thought from the enemy. Because God is, there's nowhere in scripture that that can be backed up. That's how I know it's a lie. There are some things that you're going to have to know the scripture to know how to defend it. Because the, the Bible, you, I mean, Satan used scripture. But God countered that with a different reality. 
God will provide for you, but he's not going to provide your wants. He's going to provide your needs, and that's what he's accountable for. That's scripture. That's Bible. I mean, are you being a good steward of what God's already given you? I mean, that's, you know what I'm saying? Like, you go through things, and it's like you can easily blame God for something, but there's some ownership that we need to take responsibility for, and that's half the battle. It's taking ownership of what we are supposed to be accountable for. Just stay looking at me, okay? All right? <laughs> stay looking at me. <laughs> Verse 11. Put on all of God's armor so that you might be able to stand firm against the time on the back of the wall. Firm against all strategies of the devil. Listen to what he says. All strategies. Put on the full armor of God to defeat all of, of Satan's strategies. There is not a single strategy that the enemy has that you do not have the weaponry for. Isn't that crazy? And then it goes on, it says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen realm, uh, I mean against of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This is so beyond what we understand because you can't. I mean, God doesn't unveil. He doesn't, you just can't see the spiritual realm to know how to fight it. But he does show you that there are different levels of different demonic principalities. That these, this is how they fight. Strategically going after each and every one of us. And here's the thing that I want to close with. This last and final point is this. Let me do, I don't even know if I did second point. Did I do the second point? Okay, cool. Third point is this, is that a spiritual battle won't be won naturally. This is one of our biggest hiccups, is so many of us try to win the battle in the natural instead of the spirit. Jesus never fought a battle in the natural that he had not won first in the spirit. What I'm saying is, is that God gave him assignments, and then you notice he moves from one place to the next in the cities. And he's, he's moving through. It's because he's been, been with, he's been with the Lord. And the Lord says, hey, I want you to go here and I want you to minister and I want you to heal people here. I want you to go here and I want you to deliver this word here. He's being led by the Spirit of God. And as he's led, he's put on assignment to defeat the enemy. Like you realize that you are in this world not to have a better life, but to defeat the enemy. I mean, you can have a great life. That's, I mean, I think that's part of what God puts us here for, to have enjoyment and have fellowship and relationships and all that. But you can't forget because of that that you are not called to defeat the enemy. It's twofold. I think it should be really fun to defeat the enemy. Like we should, I think that's honestly why a lot of people are becoming agnostic and, and don't believe in that they're, uh, you know, believing that there's a God. It's because they haven't been using their calling. They haven't been using their purpose. They've gotten so miserable coming to church and doing nothing. I mean, I'll be honest. I would be miserable if I was coming to church every week, hearing messages like whatever and worship and whatever, and then go home and not use my gift and not use what God created me for. That'd be miserable. That's literal. I believe that's literal torture. And that's exactly what the enemy, I think sometimes the enemy's like, hey, God's not got anything for you. You should just chill and come to church and just take up a seat every week. Some of us have been convinced of that. But that's not what God has for us. Look, the power you have to defeat the enemy, it really comes from what you're willing to put on. And here's the thing. Notice what it says. The armor is my responsibility. He tells us what we put on. He didn't say, and the Lord will come and dress you in the morning. Right? That's called the toddler. No, God says, put on the armor of God. It's your responsibility for the war that you're in. You've got to equip yourself by putting me on. And as you do that, that's where, that's half the battle is just realizing you're in one. The longer the enemy stays disguised, the longer you remain deceived. Right now, deception in our lives is rampant. 
but it's because it's it's because he's disguised as something else. It may be a promotion, it may be a demotion. It may be a report. Whatever it is, the whole point is to disguise it to deceive you and I. You guys can stand. I know you're like this long-winded guy. But what verse 12 really lets us know we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Right? He says that. And I think what we have to understand is that the distraction from the real battle and the real war is often hidden in a person. I'm thinking back of some of the relationships that I've tried to fight, tried to come up against, and I realized that that's exactly what the enemy wanted me to do. He wanted me to go after them because if I go after them, it's their problem, and I don't ever win that battle. That's the goal. The goal is to get us so focused on a person that we forget behind, that the spirit, the enemy behind it, is working this whole thing out. He's scheming. He's doing the magic trick. Hey, focus over here while I go do this over here. Right? And that's why we need to be in the spirit because we're like, oh, no, 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 no. I see where this is going. I'm going to. I'm going to intercept this thing and know this is where I know what you're doing. You're able to come up against it because you understand it's not that person. It's the thing that's working against them. He may use people, and he does use people, but he uses them, but it's not them. It's the spirit behind them. That's why it's so important for us as believers to learn to pray, which he goes goes through this whole thing. He says, you got to learn to pray. Because learning to pray is learning to trust God and let him fight this thing. I want to pray over each and every one of you because I think, I feel like once you know something, you're accountable for it. And I just told every one of you, you're in a war. So now the enemy's going to, you're going to have to be accountable for that. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, but you're accountable for it. And I, when I'm saying that is I say that genuinely concerned that some of you won't take this serious. And I want you to take this serious. I want you to understand that the enemy is coming for every single one of us in different ways. And he's very patient. And he's very consistent. And he's very faithful. That's one of the most powerful things Dr. Gary ever said to me. He said, you know, I was telling him about something going on in my life. And he says, you know, Brian, and Dr. Gary is one of these guys. It's like, you know, when he talks, it's just like, sometimes he's, a, you know, he's, he's real serious. And he looked at me and he says, you know, Brian, and I was talking about the enemy and things that happened. He says, he's faithful. And I was like, what is he? I was like, and it just hit me. Like, he's right. The devil is faithful. The enemy is really faithful at showing up all the time to fight. And I think that what we have to understand is that God is faithful. And God is more consistent. And God is more faithful. And God will come through we will trust him. So I say all that to say this. I want to pray over you for God's grace and his mercy and his wisdom and his strength that you will put on the Lord, that you will lean into God, that you will understand that there is there is a real war and it's so deceptive and that God will even highlight some things in your life so that you can see how to fight it. So if you would, stretch your hands to heaven. Just you saying, this is like, this is an international sign of surrender. You can go anywhere in the world, and if you come up to a police officer and they say surrender, this is what you do, okay, just in case you didn't know that. This is the international sign of surrender, and this is us surrendering to God. Saying, God, you are fighting my battle. So, Father, I lift up every single person in here, Lord, and we know, God, that the enemy has a plan for every family, for every individual. And, Father, we right now declare, God, that we will be led by the Spirit of God, that we will hear the Lord, that we will be directed by God. And Father, that we will 
we will lean into your voice, God, that even when we don't understand it, we will trust it, God. So, Father, I pray, God, that even as we leave this place today, God, that you would help us, God, give us grace and give us mercy, give us wisdom and discernment to to be able to discern, God, between the enemy and the Spirit. Because we know the enemy uses even Scripture, God, as he came against Jesus. So, Father, let us be so discerning. Father, I pray for protection over every family, every single soul here today, that, God, you would be with them and in them and for them. And, Father, I thank you today, God, for what you will continue to illuminate in each and one of their lives. And, God, that you be glorified through it. This morning, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is or you just want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, that you want to commit your life to him for the first time, you're rededicating your life to him. If that's you, I just want you, I want to ask you just to slip your hand up real quick. If that's you, you say, that's me. I want to give my life and my heart to Jesus for the first time where I want to rededicate my life because I've walked away or I wasn't really serious when I prayed it. I want to give him, I want to give him my heart and my life. Father, we love you today. I thank you that you are doing an amazing work in each and every one of us. Amen.